take your Bibles, please, and turn to the book of Acts, chapter 28. If you're visiting with us, you take a Bible, um, Bible in the chair in front of you, you can pull that black Bible out, go towards the back, find page 117. 117. You'll find Acts 28. I'm going to do verses 17 to 31. Oh, we're almost done with Acts. How sad. Actually, I'm going to do Acts 29. Acts 29. Is that on the next page of my Bible? Maybe that's in the index. You have to come next week and find out. You are Acts 29. We are Acts 29. I'll give you a taste of that of next week's message this morning. And since we're on the subject, so we have those men coming and preaching over the next four Sundays. I'll do a couple of messages. Um, one on the glory of God in First Samuel, I think, 17. And another message about our words. And so that the first Sunday, I think, of July, we'll, I think, will start in First Peter. So it's gonna it's kind of the plan. Starting first Peter in July, I think, the first Sunday of July. Which will take us probably for about a year or so, a year and a half. And then we'll end up in Exodus. We'll go to Exodus, we'll go back to the Old Testament. So it'll be fun. It'll be the next three years, there you go, of preaching schedule. Then after Exodus, I don't know. Acts twenty eight, seventeen to thirty one. And it happened that after three days he called together, Paul called together those who were the leading men of the Jews. And when they had come together, he said to them, Brethren, though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered prisoner from Jerusalem to the hands of the Romans. And when they had examined me, they were willing to release me because there was no ground for putting me to death. But when the Jews objected... I was forced to appeal to Caesar, not that I had any accusation against my nation. For this reason, therefore, I requested to see you and to speak with you. For I am wearing this chain for the sake of the hope of Israel. And they said to him, We have neither received letters from Judea concerning you, nor have any of the brethren come here and reported or spoken anything bad about you. But we desire to hear from you what your views are for concerning this sect it's known to us that it is spoken against everywhere 23 and when they had set a day for him they came to him at his lodging in large numbers and he was explaining to them by solemnly testifying about the kingdom of God and trying to persuade them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and from the prophets from morning until evening and some were being persuaded by the things spoken but others would not believe and when they did not agree with one another, relieving after Paul had spoken one word, the Holy Spirit rightly spoke through Isaiah the prophet to your father, saying, Go to this people and say, You will keep on hearing, but will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull, and with their ears they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return, and I should heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. 
Drop down to verse 30. And he stayed two full years in his own rented quarters and was welcoming all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness unhindered. What was uh, this past Thursday? I think I put it on our Facebook page. Anybody know? Cinco de Mayo? <laughs> True, not what I was thinking. Day of prayer? Okay. It was actually also Holocaust Memorial Day in Israel. So the, the amazing part, which probably you know this, but they, they send a siren off in all of Israel, and people actually stop in, on the freeway and get out of their cars and stand there in silence as a memorial to those six million Jews who died in the Holocaust. They do that for two minutes. You can just uh, uh, go on YouTube and, or just Google, you know, whatever. You actually can watch a video. They actually show a video and they uh, show the, people, the cars just... And all of a sudden the siren goes off and people actually start stopping and they start getting out of their cars. Like, it's like freeway. You're like, whoa. Can you imagine that on like I-17 in Phoenix? That'd be psycho. May 11th in Israel... Oh, excuse me. Yeah, May 11th in Israel is Memorial Day for soldiers and victims of terrorism. And then the next day, May 12th, is Israel's Independence Day. Interesting how with the history of the nation of Israel, with, with, with just these things, you see tragedy and yet triumph. Tragedy in the sense six million Jews were killed, but then... Three, four, five, six, seven years later, 1948, they become a nation. Triumph. And then, 60, and then the war, 67 war, 73. What a picture. Holocaust yet a nation. What a picture. Tragedy and triumph. That's what we have in our passage today as well. interestingly enough, with the Jewish people again. Tragedy and triumph. It's tragic that most Jews reject the truth of the gospel. Most Jews do. Is anyone here Jewish? No one in here is Jewish. Is Peggy, are you Jewish? You're not Jewish. No one's... In Amazing. No one in here is Jewish. Which just proves the point of what we're seeing, how as a whole, Jews, Israelis, are hardened to the gospel. That's tragic. The hope promised to them by God through Moses and the prophets, they don't see it. And yet God still always has a remnant. There's a few Jews that respond. Which is actually a picture of uh, what we do, how we give people the gospel as well. When we give people the gospel, lots of people that we interact with and talk to them about the gospel, they reject it, don't they? But God's still faithful and some people respond. 
So as a title to our message, Acts, just do it, be who you are, let God use you to fulfill His mission. The title we have is A Tragic Yet Triumphant Ending. Here in Acts 17, excuse me, Acts 28, 17 through 31, though Acts ends with a note of sadness because of a lack of Jewish response to the gospel, the hope of Israel, it also ends in triumph because the gospel advanced to one of the greatest cities in history, to Rome. A tragic yet triumphant ending. Israel's hope is God's kingdom rule fulfilled in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Repent and believe in Him. Ah, this is for them. And yet they reject it. And yet this salvation is extended to all who hear and respond to the Lord Jesus Christ. Of anyone. The gospel is for anyone and everyone. Paul witnessed to these Jews in Rome. Some responded, but as we see most, many of them will just reject the gospel in fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 6. But the message continues to go out. Not just Jews, but Gentiles. To all people. Rejection by the Jews. It was nothing new for Paul. It's found throughout the book of Acts. All people are called to respond to the gospel. Jew or Gentile. the Jew first because Jesus fulfills and culminates the hope of Israel as foretold in the Old Testament Jesus is God's Messiah the promises are fulfilled in him to the Jew first but then to everyone because he saves anyone and everyone everyone needs compassion as we sang everyone needs forgiveness we all need that it's just sad because the Jewish pattern has been Stubborn refusal to listen to the Lord God. Nothing new under the sun. And yet, is that not a picture of anybody? Is that not a picture of what happens to anyone when you give someone the gospel just harden to the truth? Harden to the gospel. It's a picture of what we deal with with all people today, all need a heart change to believe. A Jew or Gentile, we all need to have our hearts changed. God in His sovereign power, He brought the gospel to the capital of one of the greatest cities of human history, Rome. Which is not really the end. It's actually the beginning journey of it making its way to the ends of the earth. But not only is God sovereign in bringing the gospel to Rome, God is sovereign in bringing people to salvation. It's, it's our only hope. And which is why the kind of two themes that we're going to see here in this passage is rejection, but also bold witness and God's sovereignty. So in the midst of tragic rejection, the gospel word of the kingdom and the Lord Jesus Christ will triumph. It will triumph. God is still active today, changing hearts to embrace His Son in repentant faith. God is still working. I'll steal my thunder from what I'll say later on in, the, in, our, in my message. 
the one who's the greatest hero in the book of Acts is God. He's the hero. He's the one who's moving. He's the one who's acting. He's the one who's bringing everything about. It's God. And you know what? He's still the hero today. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. He's the one who's working. And yet the amazing part, which we'll see in a moment, is that the hammers that he uses, the instruments he uses, is us. Wretched sinners. He uses us as the means to give someone the gospel. Isn't it amazing? What did John the Baptist say? God can raise up stones to be children of Abraham. The stones can cry out, said Jesus, if we don't speak. God can use chairs to speak the gospel, but he decides to use us. Amazing. So, look at three different questions. Question number one, what is tragic? What's tragic is people reject the gospel. Hearts are hardened to the truth. It's just a reality that we have to face. The reality is, the, the tragedy is, people will reject the gospel. Whether you talk to them at school, at work, your neighborhood, relatives, friends, anywhere and everywhere, unfortunately people reject the gospel because their hearts are hardened to the truth. Notice verse 24. Some are being persuaded by the things spoken. We'll look at that in just a moment. Excuse me. But others would not believe. The normal response Paul received from Jews, few believed, but most, many of them, disbelieved. They rejected God's message to them. This was nothing new for Paul. He saw this in Pisidian Antioch. He saw this in Corinth. He saw this in Ephesus. Acts chapter 13, chapter 18, chapter 19, blah, blah, blah. He continues to see this. 25, uh, these leaders, they did not agree with one another. He, he called together these prominent Jewish leaders in the community there in Rome. They weren't agreeing with one another. A division came about, which, by the way, fulfills the prediction by Simeon in Luke chapter 2, verse 34. He'll bring about the rise and fall of many within Israel. He'll bring a division. Because few will believe in the gospel who are of Jewish origin. Most will reject them. Which even today, the nation of Israel is an absolute rejection of Jesus as being the Messiah. Praise God that the few that did respond, what does it show? That God will keep His promise to always have a remnant of Jews repent and believe in His Son. So I got to give you some glimmer of hope as we're looking. This is awful. This is horrible. We'll look at the great stuff in just a second. So I'll give you just a little bit tidbit of that in the midst of this horrible part. So notice what happens. The leaders are departing, and Paul gives them this final word. By the way, he says, he warned them about their rejection. He says, rightly did Isaiah, excuse me, the Holy Spirit through Isaiah the prophet speak to your fathers. He quotes from Isaiah a truly the Father's response to them. In other words, Paul uses passage to warn his audience that they're following the pattern of their fathers of rejecting the truth. 
They rejected the truth in Isaiah's day. They rejected the truth when Jesus was around. And now they're rejecting the truth that Paul was speaking. Isaiah, excuse me, Paul is like Isaiah. And the hearers that he's speaking to here, just like national Israel. Like parents, like children. Hmm? As the people of Isaiah's day rejected the message and the people had rejected Jesus, so here with Paul too. Notice he says, Go to this people and say you will keep on hearing, but will not understand. You'll keep on seeing, but will not perceive. Why? Verse 27, the first part, For the heart of this people has become dull. Israel has a problem. Israel's problem that they had a dull heart. Their eyes, their ears, their hearts were closed to the message of salvation. Dull hearts result in plugged ears and blind eyes to the truth. Because notice how it says, keep on hearing, we're not understand, keep on seeing, won't perceive. Why? For... The heart of this people has become dull. Isaiah's message was simple in Isaiah chapter 6. It was clear. But the people were unwilling to receive his message and act upon it. Same way with Jesus. And same way with Paul. And with their ears they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return, I should heal them. If God would open their eyes, open their ears, and soften their hearts, they would return, and God would heal them. So what does this mean? I should put that on the screen. It takes an act of God. It takes an act of God for a person to respond. It takes an act of God for the person to embrace Jesus. It takes an act of God for a person to repent and believe in the gospel. It takes an act of God. He says in verse 28, since you reject it, let it be known to you then this salvation goes to the Gentiles. They will hear and respond. Maybe Paul was baiting his own people when he says this. Maybe prodding them not to disobey God's commands, said one writer. Trying to provoke jealousy. And the Jews talks about that in Romans chapter 10, verse 3, verse 19 to 21, chapter 11 of Romans. Paul talks about this, provoking jealousy amongst his people. Notice he warned these Jews about their hard-heartedness, which would result in God's judgment upon them. Which is exactly what Isaiah said. Isaiah said the same thing to your fathers. And you rejected it and God judged you. Why are you going to reject it again? Are you listening? Respond. Are you here today and do you need to respond to the gospel? The fact that God is a holy God and He created you and you should worship Him at all times and yet you have rebelled against Him You've broken His law. He should condemn you. And yet Jesus came, took on flesh, 
His life was perfect in every way, complete righteousness. He lived, he died as a substitute for sinners, resurrected from the dead. The call is now for you to respond, to repent and put your trust in Jesus alone. That's the gospel. You should respond to the gospel. Don't let your heart become hardened to the truth. Respond to Christ. Repent and believe. God's message calls... Oh, in short, they were, what, is, what is this? Where did this come from? Oh. That oh, came somewhere. Okay, anyways. God's message calls for humility and repentance, a radical reoriented of one's thinking and behavior towards God. This was God's message to the people. In Isaiah's time, with Jesus, with Paul, and even today, to you, to us. But it takes a work of God in the heart. What happened with Lydia in Acts chapter 16? God opened her heart to the things Paul was speaking, and she responded. Our problem is that we have willful disobedience. Lest we should see the truth with our eyes, hear the truth with our ears, and understand from the heart, and return God heals us by saving us, God must act. As I said to you earlier, this means that God is sovereign not only of the message going out into all the world, God is sovereign in that, but He's also sovereign in opening hearts, opening eyes, opening ears, in order for people to respond to His message. The tragedy is, people are hardened to the truth. They reject the truth. Everyone has dull hearts, deaf ears, and blind eyes. Unless the Spirit of God does a work whereby He quickens the soul to understand the Gospel Word. Do you see why we need God's enabling power to clearly, simply, and accurately give the gospel word? This is why we're given the Spirit to enable us. Because when you have this, uh, when you hear about this tragedy, people's hearts are hardened, you can just become so depressed. And we need God's Spirit to enable us to speak this word which we'll get to in just a second we'll talk about that but here's a prayer for us today how it applies to us specifically pray that we will continue to be soft to his truth his word we're not hardened to God's word but be ready to hear and joyfully receive the word to be transformed by his great grace are, are you ready for that do you pray for that? Here's something to pray for, for yourself and for the church. This is what you can pray for when you're driving here on a Sunday morning. When you're driving here on a Wednesday night. When you're coming, and you come through the doors or come here and there. Something you can pray, God, soften me to your word. Soften your people to your word. Let us be ready to hear. Let us be ready to be transformed by your great grace. What is tragic? People's hearts are hardened to the truth. Ah, here's the good news though. What is triumphant? God still changes hearts and people still respond to Jesus. Ah, praise God for that. Praise the Lord for that. Notice verse 24, that first part. 
And some were being persuaded by the things spoken. And then verse 28, let's, let this be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. In other words, they will respond. The message that's triumphant is that God still changes hearts. People still respond to Jesus Christ. Hope, all hope is not lost, in other words. It's not hopeless. We might feel like it. We might feel rejected. Feel alone. No. As Elijah was there and depressed and saying, nobody's following you. The Lord says, I still got 7,000 7, not bowing down to Baal. In northern Israel, 7,000 are not listening. But they're listening to me. God still has people that he's saving. God's salvation has always been for all people. But now what happens, it goes out to them. In other words, it now comes to you. See, before the Old Testament, the, the, the message was always for all people. But in the Old Testament, you had to become a Jew. Go to Israel, you know, Now when Jesus comes, He fulfills all this, and now the message goes out to you. Repent and trust in Jesus. Repent and trust in Jesus in the Old Testament. Repent and trust in you, but you don't have to become a Jew anymore. No need. No need. The message of salvation is for anyone and everyone. This was promised long ago in the Old Testament. It's always been like that. Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. And in your seed all the families of the earth will be blessed in Christ. And even if Israel, to whom these promises were directed to, first and foremost, even if they reject it, it will still go out because God is still changing hearts and saving sinners. Paul continues to have hope in his own people and God continues to proclaim the gospel to this rebellious people. Romans chapter 11 verse 25. Paul says, I don't want you to be uninformed, brethren, about this mystery. A partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in and thus all Israel will be saved. Not every single person is Israeli, but the people as a whole nationally will respond to the gospel. That will happen one day. Paul was not saying that all Jews are excluded. He's not giving them the gospel at all. Only that the gospel word would now be proclaimed to Gentiles. Not just to Jews. Which once again it brings Simeon's words to mind in Luke chapter 2. That the gospel go out to all. A, a, a hope for Israel but also a light to the Gentiles. Uh, John the Baptist spoke about that in Luke chapter 3. The gospel will go out to all people and they will respond. It's a good thing. God is still in the business of changing hearts so that people respond to Jesus Christ. He's still in that business. He hasn't gotten out of that business. And Gentiles can get into the kingdom of Jesus the same way as a Jew would get in. Repent and trust in Jesus Christ alone. That's the part that rubs Jews the wrong way. What? Are you kidding me? They're supposed to follow the law. They should be circumcised. No. No. Repent and trust in Jesus alone. That's it. 
So you have what's tragic. Hearts are still hard to the truth. God soften our hearts. Truth triumphant, God is still in the business of softening hearts and changing hearts. Ah, now here's where the catalyst runs in. Here's the means. By what means does God triumph? Was tragic, hearts are hardened. Was triumphant, God still changes hearts. Okay, but what means does He triumph? By what means does God change hearts? As we proclaim the good news. This is where we come in. We go, we connect, we testify, and we try to persuade them to Jesus Christ. That's what we see Paul doing. Verse 17 to 23, 30, 31. This is what he does. Once again, Paul is a great example for us. He always finds a way where he can go and connect with people and try to convince them, persuade them, and testify of Jesus Christ. This is what he does. So he arrives in Rome, verse 17. Three days later, he calls together the leading men of the Jews. The Jewish population in Rome was about 20 to 50,000. Rome was about a million people. The different part there is that it was a, there was an independent group of Jews in Rome. They weren't like uh, a collective whole. There was no central organization. That, that which was put to Paul's benefit. And they weren't very wealthy either. But Paul's trying to be proactive here. Prevent any opposition that may come his way. But also he wants to take advantage of the opportunity to proclaim the gospel. He's going to go, he's going to try to connect with the Jewish community. What's his pattern? Starts with a Jew first. So he brings them together, verse uh, 17 there, the end. Brethren, though I had nothing uh, against our people or the customs of our fathers, I was delivered prisoner from Jerusalem to the hands of the Romans. They examined me, they're willing to release me. There's the Jews objected, I was forced to appeal. That's why I brought you guys together to speak with you. I'm wearing this chain for the sake of the hope of Israel. What's he doing? Four points. I did nothing against our people or our customs. I'm a good Jew. The Romans wanted to free me. The Jews opposed to that, so I had to appeal to, to, to Caesar. I'm in chains for believing in the hope of Israel. I'm a faithful Jew. I want to see you and speak with you. I'm on trial for Israel's hope. Notice what he does here. Israel's hope is wrapped up in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Our hope is wrapped up in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And that's the message that we speak. So notice that the response from these prominent Jews, verse 21. We haven't received letters from Judea concerning you. We haven't heard a word about you. Well, come on, how is this possible? Many different reasons. Uh, his case was delayed. He arrived in Rome first before those clowns did. Maybe the Jews in Jerusalem were relieved. He's out of our hair. He's out of here. We don't see him anymore. Good. We don't have to worry about that guy. He's in Rome. But notice, though, what they say. 22. But we desire to hear from you what your views are. For concerning this sect, it is known to us, it's spoken against everywhere. 
that the local Jews in Rome, they saw it's an internal thing. They're curious to hear this other side. Now, now they're going to listen, but with skepticism. We'll listen to you, but we're a little bit skeptical. Verse 23, day comes, set the day. Great numbers show up. And what does Paul do? Ah, the best thing, which just drives him. He loves doing this. Explaining to them by solemnly testifying about the kingdom of God and trying to persuade them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and from the prophets from morning until evening. The promise of the kingdom and the Lord Jesus Christ it belongs together. Jesus is the fulfillment of the kingdom promise. Paul witnessed or testified and he's persuaded. He went, he connected, he testified, tried to persuade. That's what Paul does. That's what we do. So the tragedy is that the fact people's hearts are hardened to the truth. What's triumphant though, God still is in the business of changing hearts. And the means by which He does that is He uses us as the catalyst. He uses you. Just be who you are. Let God use... This goes back to the whole point in the book of Acts. Let God use us to fulfill His mission. He just uses us. As we go, we connect, we proclaim. We go, we connect with people, we proclaim. It's just a part of our DNA as a, as a church, as an individual, as a Christian. God fulfills the scripture in His eternal Son. And notice in the Lord Jesus Christ, God will remove anything that hinders His saving purpose for humanity. Any sin, death, Satan, anything that stands in the way, He's going to get the word out. And He uses us to do it. Let me say a few words about verse 29. Drop to verse 29. I think that's in brackets in your Bibles. When He spoke in these words, the Jews departed having a great dispute dispute among themselves seems like this verse was added later it's not in key manuscripts for all you nerds out there Papyrus 74, Sinaiticus Alexandrinus, Vaticanus the minuscules Byzantine manuscripts most of them that are dated later it has this so we will not take it as the in the original but notice once again verse 30 and 31 Paul's still doing the same thing verse 30 Two full years in his own rented quarters. He stayed there. Either he was paying for it or the Christians are helping him pay for it. Either way, he was welcoming all who come to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness. God's kingdom is his promised rule found through Jesus Christ, his son. And Paul's just openly doing this. With, just going, connecting, trying to proclaim the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he's doing. So then what happens to Paul after this? We don't know. Two years and then, we don't know. But what we do know is this message of forgiveness, the message of God's rule in Jesus and of his salvation of sinners has begun to reach the ends of the earth because it made its way to the Gentile capital of the world, to Rome. And God did it through the faithful servants proclaiming his message. That's how he does it. That's been the means by which he goes about doing it. Using us individuals proclaiming the gospel. 
God's new reign over this world began when Jesus, His eternal Son, was enthroned at the right hand as the Royal Messiah. The Royal Messiah, it will continue until Jesus returns to completely fulfill His role. And that's where we come in. He uses us. So as we look at the book of Acts as a whole, uh, who's the real hero? God's the real hero. Because though hearts are hardened, God is the one who's changing hearts. God is the one who revealed the gospel word through the Lord Jesus Christ. God was the one who fulfilled the promise for the gospel word to reach the ends of the world. The focus is on Him. And God is the one who created the church to be the vehicle through which He would proclaim a message of hope to this lost evil hurting world that he changes hearts and saves sinners he's the focus he's the hero and yet he uses just a bunch of punks to proclaim his message unbelievable isn't it wonderful to know that God brings hope and healing through the gospel it's amazing that God does this that sinners can be forgiven. A guilt and shame can be swept away with freedom, joy, glory. There's freedom for those who are gossipers, liars. There's freedom for those who've looked at porn. There's glory for those who feel shame by being sexually abused. There's, there's honor for those that have been angry and bitter. God frees you. The gospel frees you. What a great God. He's the main hero in the book of Acts. And so this statement kind of, that first statement kind of gives you a tidbit of what we'll look at next week. Is a priming the pump next week as we look at Acts 29. That's what we're going to see. We're going to kind of unpack that. How God will use us now. Oh, one more word. Paul, he's one of our human heroes. He remained faithful to proclaim the gospel of both Jews and Gentiles. Here's an example for us to follow. It's tragic that people reject the gospel. It's tragic that their hearts are hardened. But God still changes sinners and He uses us to do it. Just be who you are. And we pray, Father, help us as a church. May we be challenged as a people, your people. To be the means by which you use to proclaim forgiveness, freedom, joy, satisfaction. We're made to make you our greatest treasure and your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have this message and you use us to change the hearts of sinners. You've changed our hearts. You've shown us grace. So here we are. We're at your feet. You've been so kind and gracious to us. We're at your feet. Use us. Let us just be who we're called to be. Take a few moments, if you would, and ponder what we've seen in God's Word this morning in the book of Acts. After a few moments, we will
to our time of giving and sing our last two songs. Ponder and praise the Lord. Maybe ask Him to keep softening your heart, His Word. Maybe ask Him to, we as a church would be softened to the Word. Let's sit and let's think.